that's who we are. That's our story. Now, it's probably not the one you've been reading in papers, the one being written by folks who've never even been here and don't know what we're capable of. Because when it comes to luxury, it's as much about where it's from as who it's for. Now, we're from America, but this isn't New York City, or the Windy City, or Sin City, and we're certainly no one's Emerald City. city and this is what we do Today is going to be great. We're going to be looking at the TNG finale episode, All Good Things, which I thought was a, a really good episode to look at for this first week back here home. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Captured a bunch of clips this morning. Uh, running kind of slow. It's already lunchtime. <laughs> going to take a little break myself, grab a quick bite deep before I get into the meat of the podcast. But anyway, we've got some good clips to play for, from uh, listeners, and uh, I'm just getting my equipment re-established here and just kind of getting everything uh, readjusted, and I hope it, uh, the sound quality is pretty good again for everyone. So uh, I think that's all I wanted to say. Uh, I'll talk out with, uh, start, out, but <laughs> start out with a little chit-chat uh, after a little more music here, and then uh, we'll get into the meat of the show, uh, Treks and Sci-Fi, back where it should be in Michigan.
Well, hello, everyone. This is Rico. As I said earlier, I think. Did I say my name? Say your name. What's that song? Who sings that? Say your name. Beyonce? Oh, my gosh. What am I talking about? Anyway, everyone, uh, how's everyone doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I am back home. Had uh, a, a very busy uh, week this past week, getting everything settled away in uh, Rockford, uh, packing up everything. I did leave a towel which I, I was thinking on the drive back, I left a towel hanging in the bathroom, I realized. And, uh, you know, you know what popped to mind when I thought about that is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You know, don't leave, uh, for those familiar with that, you know, you're never supposed to leave without your towel because it has so many uses. And uh, I have other towels, though, fortunately, so it wasn't a big deal. I, I guess I was on, a, on the freeway for a few miles, and I was kind of going over my head. And I did go back and look through, you know, every room uh, in the... Uh, in the apartment and, and tried to make sure I had everything out. But the, the where the towel hangs is kind of right next to the door in the bathroom. And uh, it, 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 unless you really go in there and then kind of turn, you don't really see it. So, uh, and, and uh, this is a fascinating podcast material right here. So anyway, uh, it's, uh, but it's good. It's all good. I am back home and I've, I guess, probably about half unpacked, maybe more, three quarters unpacked. And uh, getting settled back in, trying to set up everything to do the podcast today, getting all the computer equipment and, and things working again. So um, that's uh, about uh, all of that. I, I mean, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, kind of a bittersweet week, you know, saying goodbye to everyone at the uh, at Tester and all that. But uh, I think uh, it, it turned out pretty well. They had a little cake, we had a little pizza the last day, and a lot of you know, nice good wishes from everyone. So it's uh, and tomorrow I, st- I start at the new job. So, uh, you know, get right back into it. It's, uh, it's probably for the best. I, I think that way, you know, it, you don't really want to have a long delay. I don't think between jobs, if you can avoid it. I, I also think it would just let me, my mind wander too much. So, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to getting there tomorrow and just doing it, uh, you know, getting back into, uh, a new place and, and getting adjusted there and all that. So it, uh, it should work out pretty good. I think it, uh, it's going to be a new kind of a drive for me and it's going to, you know, be a, a lot to, uh, you know, get adjusted to as far as the new company and people and all like that. But, uh, I'm looking forward to it and it should, uh, well, it certainly is, uh, is great to be home that, there's no question about that, and I've got uh, some Gatorade. Uh, like I said earlier, actually, kind of having a really slow start here this morning, so I think I'm going to break before I get into the main topic and talking about the TNG episode, but uh, I wanted to get some thoughts out here to begin with, and I- I'm going to throw out a little bit of news and information uh, also in-, in a second. I'm going to take a short break, and I'll come back with that, and then we'll do the TNG uh, finale episode, All Good Things. A lot of things to talk about about that episode. We've got about maybe four or five good comments, a song from Rick Moyer, and all kinds of great things. How did everyone like, by the way, uh, shifting subjects a little bit, but what everybody think about the Academy Awards last week? I didn't actually get a chance to watch a lot of it because I didn't have a TV at that time. But uh, I, I guess the uh, the thing I could say is, is the predicted winners won. I, I think that, you know they, they did good jobs. I think most of those were well deserved it's uh it's it's a little tricky i have always thought about the academy awards because they seem to always have so many people and so many things that win that aren't really the most popular with the public of course you have things like the people choice people's choice awards for that but uh, 
And congrats to Kenny, uh, who won our Oscar contest on the forum. He correctly, I think he had everything right of the seven categories. Yeah, every, everything of the seven categories, seven main categories, I think, that I had listed for the contest. And uh, he did a great job on that. I'll be getting your little prize pack out this week. Uh, probably, hopefully, get it out in the mail maybe uh, probably tomorrow, if not at the latest Tuesday. So, uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, it looked like an interesting ceremony. I know there's been some con- controversy and talk about, you know, that it wasn't very well uh, or didn't do great in the ratings, and there's talk about how the hosts did and things like that. But, uh, but anyway, uh, I'm okay. You know, they, you know, it's another awards thing. So, what, what do you want? So, I'm going to take a very short break here, and when I come back, I'm going to cover some, just some general Trek and sci-fi news, and then we'll get into the TNG episode. Attention, attention, it's finally here, the first and only podcast dedicated to one of the most groundbreaking television series in history, MASH. Join the hosts of MASH 4077 Podcast, Kenny, Meds, and Al, as they discuss their thoughts episode by episode. They will also share with you some little-known behind-the-scenes information, trivia, and so much more. Find them on iTunes by searching MASH 4077 Podcast or online at www.mash4077.podbean.com. Okay, like I usually try to do uh, each week, uh, it... um it's always good to pass on some information. This isn't too much information, but a little bit of a, 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 an interview here with J.J. Abrams uh, and a recent award show. I think this may have been even after the Academy Awards, uh, but I'm not positive. Anyway, here's a little bit of his commentary on how we're doing and what's going on with uh, the next Star Trek movie, which is due still in June of 2012. Gotcha. Uh, how's that Star Trek Two script? Have you read any? Of I can't wait to check it out. I'm dying very shortly. I'm, I've, I, I've been told. What are you hoping to expand upon? Uh, well, the first thing is so the characters meeting, and it's, this is going to have to be more about what they do now that they're a family. So. Well, they didn't uh, like you heard there. He didn't have a whole lot to say. Basically, he said, you know, they're um, they're all about you know the characters meeting up in the first movie, and now this is going to be, of course, a little bit more about what they're doing, what they're missions are about what they're up to and you know that they're a little they formed a little more of a family bonds and you know they've gotten to know each other and that so i think we're gonna have a fun time and that script is still due uh, towards the end of this month in march and uh, i guess they're still pushing for the the june of uh, 2012 release date so i i think that that's going to happen still I, I don't think there's any question about that well I'd say maybe there's a tiny bit of one, but nothing major. So uh, we'll keep everyone posted on uh, news as it develops. Scott Bakula, wonderful actor, great singer, had a decision to make as a young man, to follow his own intuition or the advice of others. Today, Scott Bakula exposes his raw nerve. Not only do you look like a leading man, but you're also a great singer. So, I mean, that's a hugely different thing. The very few people in the world have both the look and the, and the talent that you have. So your voice must have been a source of great pride to you. It was. I think, I think a lot of times when you sing, as long as I've sung, you, you, you take it for granted. I did. 
I can remember losing my voice one time in high school, uh -huh. and I was well, devastated. Well, like laryngitis? Yeah, just kind yeah, of yeah, just stupid, you know, moment, tired yeah. or sick. You know, yeah. I lost it for a few days. Mm -hmm. but I was... That is a, uh, a little bit of an excerpt there from uh, William Shatner's Raw Nerve Show, which airs, uh, at least in the States here, on Monday evenings. Uh, and it, it was pretty good. He did a, a, an interview with Scott Bakula, of course, uh, Captain Archer from Enterprise. I just watched it yesterday. I believe uh, the show is usually like a half hour, but I think you can see it all online. Just go to uh, biography.com, and you should be able to find Shatner's Raw Nerve show. And I'm not sure if they have the full episode up there or not yet. But uh, but anyway, he's going to have some other Star Trek celebrities on uh, this uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, LeVar Burton he's going to have on. Also Walter Koenig, who played Chekhov on the original series. So it, it's it's pretty interesting. And Shatner is... Uh, He's actually a pretty good interviewer. They, you know, he's always called that show. It's kind of unscripted. It, it, it's a little more intimate than the typical talk show circuit when celebrities go on those things. They, t they, they get more into a little bit more of the meat of their background and, and you know, growing up. I, I Scott talks a little bit about you know how he, uh, you know, when he was in college, he was first going to be a lawyer, and uh, and then eventually got more into acting and, and a lot of things like that. And it's 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 really good. It, it's pretty cool. And it's pretty cool to see, of course, you know, Kirk and Captain Archer there sitting together ch having a little chat. But uh, check it out, Shatner's Raw Nerve. And uh, the last uh, Trek-related story that I wanted to pass on for uh, this week is is Rick Berman has been uh, a little bit more in the news. You can find some uh, interview questions, not really interview, I guess more fan questions and things that were sent in, I think, uh, related to his time on Star Trek. No, Rick Berman kind of has a little bit of... Uh, well, a little bit of a reputation as, as with some fans, he's not their favorite. I thought he actually did a pretty decent job on Trek overall. I, I didn't always agree with some of the things that they did under his watch, but uh, I, I think overall, I mean, you can't deny that, uh, you know, the guy that really uh, worked so much on TNG and Deep Space and Voyager, you know, that it's, it's you know, there's a lot of his influence in there, but a lot of others as well. Anyway, he has some interesting things to say. One of the things that uh, I thought was interesting that he had to say is if he had to do it over again, you know, that's a typical question people will ask is, you know, would you do anything different? And one of the things he says, he would listen to the fans more, <laughs> which I thought was kind of uh, interesting and a little ironic, you know, in a way because of his relationship, like I said, sometimes with fans wasn't the best. But uh, there's some real interesting things. There was this uh, uh, one thing I thought that was cool was that or, or that popped out, and I may have heard this before, but uh, the character of Soren when uh, they went to cast for uh, Star Trek Generations, which of course is uh, it took place not too long after the episode All Good Things, which we're going to be covering today. Uh, they wanted originally, or, or one of the ideas to cast or, or actors for that part was Marlon Brando. They were they were trying to get Marlon Brando, but I guess he was he was only semi interested, and they can never come to an arrangement. So they en ended up with uh, Malcolm McDowell, of course, who did that movie. But uh, I thought that was pretty. Uh, you know, little tidbits like that are are, are kind of neat to, to hear about anyway. So um, that's all the Trek news I wanted to say. Not a whole lot of other things that I was going to pass on this week. We've got a lot to cover with the episode. It's a long episode, and, and we've got a lot of comments on that. So uh, suffice to say that I, I'm still trying to keep up on the TV shows, getting my TiVo reprogrammed here back at home and uh, and all that. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that next uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, TV and that. Actually, we'll probably talk quite a bit about it next week because next week,
next weekend. I'm going to do a Skype chat with anyone that wants to join in. It's actually going to be on Saturday next weekend is what I'm targeting right now. I will put information up on that on the forum uh, for those on the forum that want to join in. If anyone else wants to join in and you, you miss when and where and how to join in, you can always email me at treksf at gmail.com and I'll fill you in on the details. So I'm going to take one more break here and then I will be back and we'll get into the uh, the heart of today's episode, which is the TNG finale, All Good Things. I'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to share something with someone just because? Well, we do a lot. So we started a podcast about, well, whatever we want. My name is Joyce. And I'm her lovely husband, Al. Uh, well, you know what I mean. And we're the hosts of the Disneyland podcast, Tales from the Mouse House. And the Amazing Race podcast, Fast Forward. And I'm one of the co-hosts of the MASH 4077 podcast. And you'd think with all of these podcasts, we'd run out of things to share. But then you'd be wrong. In our new show, Just Because, we're going to share all the things that, well, just don't fit into any of our other podcasts. Yep, like videos of our puppy Kate as she plays with the water bottle. Mm -hmm. Maybe some episodes chatting about one of our favorite TV shows. Like Lost? Uh-huh. Or maybe an audio play Al has written. And... We'll even have episodes contributed by others who have something to share but just don't want to start their own podcast. You never know what you'll find on this show. Why? Just because. Visit us at because.podbean.com and in iTunes. <laughs> Okay, I'm back. Well, it's time to get into the TNG finale episode, the last episode of the series of The Next Generation from the seventh season called All Good Things. This episode, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, just finished my lunch up finally. Uh, this episode, of course, uh, was the uh, finale and a very successful run for The Next Generation. All the main characters are there, along with we've got some special guest stars. They brought Denise Crosby back to play Tasha Yar as sort of, a, you know, younger and uh, in the earlier uh, time frame of, of the show. And, well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit talking about the story. But suffice to say, they really pulled out all the stops for this episode, and, and it really shows. It's It's definitely generally considered to be you know one of the you know favorites of the fans it, it was well received critically it won a hugo award uh for the year uh for the best dramatic presentation of course hugo's being the science fiction awards it was up for some emmy awards uh, mostly in the technical areas like special effects and things but you know it's just it's just a great episode uh, an amazing uh finale for the series itself, you know, for the season two, but it, it's kind of a standalone. There's not really an ongoing arc at this point in, in the next generation. So, but it does wrap up and, and tie into a lot of things that have happened uh, throughout the series at that point in time. So how about some, uh, let's see, some brief background info on this episode. It was written by Brandon Braga and Ronald D. Moore. Ron Moore, of course, later going on to BSG, you know, the new Battlestar Galactica. Uh, directed by Wien Weinrich Kolbe. I, I think that's how you say it. Weinrich 
Colby. Anyway, uh, interesting thing about the director, he's done other Trek episodes, but uh, the the odd thing is, is this is one of the only finales he did. The, uh, the other finales was by a guy named, I think his name was uh, Alan Croker, I think. It's, I'll have to check double-check on that on Memory Alpha here in a second. But uh, he got to do this one for TNG, directed this episode, and does a very good job with it. There's some interesting things that are done in this episode interesting camera work and, and, and certain angles and a lot of stuff going on here and and a pretty involved story really to, to work out the the basic premise and for those who haven't seen it in a while uh, is that uh, Captain Picard is sort of traveling uh, back and th- forth through time really through uh, or in uh, three basic time periods the future about 25 years past the time of the next generation the past uh, in the era of when he first comes aboard the Enterprise and, of course, the present uh, current uh, time frame uh, for uh, his time on as captain or time as Captain Picard aboard. Well, not as Captain Picard, as captain of the Enterprise, the current time frame. So current, future and past. And, it, you know, it turns out in the episode and, and we'll talk about this as I play clips and and go through it. But the, you know, it, of course, I think it was fitting that the first episode of TNG starts off with a confrontation with Q, played by the excellent John Delancey, and the finale involves Q as well. John Delancey figures prominently in this episode, although you don't see him until about, I guess, about midway through the episode. It was a longer episode. It was, uh, it is about an hour and a half running time. It was, I think, played over a two-hour time frame when it first aired, you know, allowing for, <clears throat> excuse me, commercial time so it's uh it's a longer definitely longer episode and, it, and it's it, it's good of course that they did that i prefer it that way rather than a two-parter or anything like that i think it's much better for a finale to go out that way in one big long episode uh than to to spread it out over a, a two-part situation or, or whatever or to try to cram it all in, in one episode there's a lot of very very touching moments in this episode too it, it's I think they did a kind of a unique and a rare thing that they were able to both create kind of an interesting episode from, you know, adventure and action and excitement and that. But they also were able to, the story was able to bring out how much the characters and, you know, have kind of grown to mean each other, to mean to, uh, (laughs) oh, really having a hard time getting into this, not into it to do it, but I just mean, my my think my throat's a little froggy for some reason today been a rough few days um but it is uh what was i trying to say the they did something interesting with the storyline where picard is seeing sort of a, a, a possible future he's seeing where they started kind of together with his, these uh people that have grown so uh he's grown so fond of that he's he's worked together and 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 both you know through good times and in bad you know from the beginning of the series till later in the future where it seems they've kind of grown apart and each gone their own way to the current situation. And and, and it was really a, a very cool idea for a way to have a sort of a send-off for the characters and, and showing us those three different aspects of them. I mean, it, it's it, it, only in Trek, really, can they get away with doing something like that. But it just works so, so well. And I think by the end of it, they're all a little bit more wise about, you know, things. And, and I'll, I'll get into that when we get towards the end of the clips in the episode. But, um, 
Yeah, I'm going to talk about a lot of different things and aspects of it about why I like this. But it, it, it's very well liked by the fans. It's definitely one of my top episodes of TNG that I, I just think it's fantastic. I remember when it first came out, I can remember distinctly because I used to tape these things all on my good old VCR. Gosh, remember, it's hard to believe, even though this, this episode first aired uh, in May of 1994, uh, and... Let's see, what was the date? May uh, May 23rd, 1994, so, what, 17 years ago? But, yeah, I would record everything, uh, uh, all the uh, TNG episodes on, on VHS, on, on, VC, on my VCR. And what I, what I recall so much about this episode is there were a few parts that I would, right after it was over, I just went back and played them again and again, just because there were some really cool moments, especially with the future, future Enterprise and seeing the characters, what... They, you know, how they made them up to look in the future and all of that. And uh, it, and then, of course, the ending of this episode is probably one of my favorite moments in, in, in any Star Trek ever, just about. I mean, it's definitely a great moment when Picard joins them for their poker game for the first time, and that's a great moment. So uh, let's move on. Let's, get, let, let's start playing uh, some clips. Here's the first one near the very, very beginning of All Good Things. I've always found the Black Sea at night to be a most stimulating experience. Worf, we were walking barefoot on the beach with balalaika music in the air, ocean breeze washing over us, stars in the sky, a full moon rising. And the most you can say is stimulating? It was very stimulating. What? You know, I don't spend nearly enough time on the holodeck. I should take my own advice and go there to relax. Next time, I'll choose the program. If you like the Black Sea, you're going to love Lake Kataria on Beta's head. Deanna, perhaps before there is a next time, we should discuss Commander Riker. Why? Is he coming along? No, but I do not wish... I mean, it would be unfortunate if he... If you and I are going to continue... I do not wish to hurt his feelings. Worf, I think it's all right to concentrate on our feelings, yours and mine. Counselor. What's today's date? The date. Stardate 47988. 47988. Captain, what's wrong? 47988. I'm not sure. I don't know how or why, but I'm moving back and forth through time. Yeah, so what's going on here, you know, is the last, uh, I guess, season or so, you know, there was a relationship that started sort of between Troy and Worf they started to become close uh, the whole Riker thing kind of had you know had you know fizzled or ups and downs whatever the reasons and and Worf and Deanna started to get a little closer started to do things together and Picard comes down the corridor and he's all frantic and and, and worried and and talks about how he's he's going through these different time periods and that's the way the episode starts pretty pretty cool and 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 a a nice little teaser dramatic way for the episode to begin it uh i always kind of like the wharf deanna thing i thought that that was kind of uh 
a unique idea and, and something, you know, you wouldn't really have seen them together, especially since there was this whole business of Riker and, and her having this relationship before they came on the Enterprise. And it and then it, you know, never really went anywhere, even though they were serving together. And then eventually, of course, in in the movies, they they do get married. So and, and then they followed a. Uh, Followed that up in the books where they served together aboard the uh, USS Titan under Riker's command. So uh, I can see them either way, with Worf or without, but um, I kind of actually prefer uh, when he, I think, probably goes and, and, you know, when he gets involved on Deep Space Nine and with Dax and all that, probably a little more than Troy, but it worked for me. I was okay with it. Captain. Captain? Would this be your first time on a galaxy-class starship? Are you all right, sir? Sir? I'm... I'm sorry, Lieutenant. My mind must have wandered. What were you saying? I was asking if you'd ever been aboard a galaxy-class starship before. No. Of course, I'm familiar with the blueprints and the specifications. This will be my first time on board. Well, then, if I may be so bold, sir, you're in for a treat. The Enterprise is quite a ship. I'm sure she is. Have I done something wrong, sir? No. It's just that you look very familiar. Enterprise to Shuttlecraft Galileo. You are cleared for arrival in Shuttle Bay 2. Acknowledged, Enterprise. There she is. Yeah, that clip there, of course, is where uh, we get to see Tasha. We get to see Denise Crosby playing Tasha Yar again uh, for the first time in quite a while. And I, I, I've said it before also, I, was, I, I liked Tasha. I liked her character. I, I thought that... Uh, it was a very interesting, uh, you know, just, uh, I don't know, there was something about that character that I really enjoyed, and I was very sorry when she left uh, at the end of, like, the first season or so. It's, um, you know, who knows what the show would have turned out with uh, with her still in it. But the, the, it was fun to see her again, see her there at the beginning of the show. They pulled out and showed them in their old uniforms uh, with the slight differences they had then. You get to see sort of when Picard really first comes aboard the Enterprise, which they, they play in these scenes and, and that that we never saw in the the pilot episode in, in Encounter uh, encounter at Farpoint. You get to see Picard uh, in, in a sort of a different way. And one of the things about this episode that's interesting is at the beginning, when Picard is going through these different time uh, periods, he he isn't really all that aware that something that things are different. He, he just sort of, you see him acting like he probably would in those time frames. But as, as the episode continues, they he becomes more aware of that he's jumping through time and he's doing all these, you know, that he has this knowledge from all these different time periods. And he knows more, becomes more aware of what's going on. So they play, they play that uh, throughout the episode. And so it's kind of interesting because in the early scenes and the early clips, he's he's just sort of living there but then he starts to notice certain things and he he says things aren't quite right and and this isn't the way it's supposed to be or should be so uh it, it's neat to see that progression throughout the the episode here 
This house originally belonged to Sir Isaac Newton when he held the position. It's become the traditional residence. Here you go. Thank you. If you're really his friend, you'll get him to take that gray out of his hair. Jessel. Looks like a bloody skunk. <laughs> she can be frightfully trying at times, but she does make me laugh. Ada, what is it with the hair anyway? Well, I found that a touch of gray adds an air of distinction. You said this is all gray. I'd swear that it was Darjeeling. Hmm. Captain, how long has it been since you've seen a doctor about your iromotic syndrome? Weak. They prescribed paradaxon. But, sir, paradaxon. Yes, I know. It's not a cure. There's nothing that can prevent the deterioration of the synaptic pathways. You think that I'm senile, that all this is just a delusion. Now, come on, Captain. No one said anything of the kind. In all honesty, Captain, the thought has occurred to me. However, there's nothing to disprove what you're saying. So it's possible something is happening to you. The first thing we should do is run a complete series of neurographic scans. We can use the equipment in the biometric lab here on the campus. Jessel, ask Professor Ripper to take over my lecture for tomorrow, possibly for the rest of the week. Huh. Captain, we'll get to the bottom of this. That's the data that I remember. I knew that I could count on you. There was another scene that uh, that I didn't I didn't capture, but you'll hear bits of it more in a in a way. But uh, Jordy meets up with the future Picard out on um, his uh, farm, his grape farm there in France, supposed to be, I guess. Even though it looks to me like Southern California when they show it, and you see some of the mountains in the background. I mean, it, it just anyway, not a big deal. But the um, I'm not sure where they filmed that. It's probably at some you know. Uh, farm out in uh, northern california perhaps i wasn't able to dig that one up uh, maybe i can I'll, I'll try to do that at one of the other clips i, I open didn't open up my other book here of reference uh, info uh so anyway but the last clip that i just played for you is uh, when they go uh, jordy and uh, picard go to meet up with data who is now a professor he's got this little streak of gray that he's put in his hair to make him look more distinguished and he he's also he's a little different this is the data from you know 25 years in the future he can use things like contractions he seems a little more a little more human maybe a little more emotional to a degree uh, a little more relaxed and, and just a little bit more uh, you know non-android or whatever and even though he really wasn't by the time at the end of TNG he had he had been with everyone and the crew and the you know, learning from the humans and, you know, other species that he served with for so long, and that altered and changed him, just like it changes and, and alters everyone as you you work and get to know people or, or whatever. That, uh, But Data, of course, being so different and unique at the beginning, you know, this android who is very unemotional and doesn't understand a lot of human nuances and, and ways of speaking. There's a, a fun figure of speech thing that he that he uses in this um, 
in this episode about burning the midnight oil uh, part. Uh, but anyway, this is a, a data here in the future. He's living in this little house with this lady who takes care of him and helps him out. There's cats everywhere, and it, it's fun. It's you know one of the things that's cool about this episode, and I, and I said a little bit too already, is that you get to see all these different sort of aspects of these characters. And Jordy in the future has got a, a wife. Uh, he's married to basically Leah Brahms, it sounds like. Uh, and and they have some kids and everything's you know going pretty good for him it sounds like Picard at some point becomes an goes from a captain to become an ambassador and then eventually retires completely and is just working on on the the, the farm there you know tying up grapevines and all that so uh, it, it's uh, it, it's neat and and it's a lot of fun and and, and it was a pretty elaborate uh, finale in a way to do the whole episode you know they they certainly went uh, again all out for this one. Personal log started 41153.7, recorded under security lockout Omega 327. I have decided not to inform this crew of my experiences. If it's true that I've traveled to the past, I cannot risk giving them foreknowledge of what's to come. Report. We've completed a full subspace scan of the ship and surrounding space. We've detected no unusual readings or anomalies. With all due respect, sir, it would be helpful if we knew exactly what we were looking for. Noted. Counselor, do you sense anything unusual on board the Enterprise? Perhaps an alien presence that doesn't belong here? Maybe one operating on a level of intelligence far superior to our own? No, sir. I'm only aware of the crew and the families on board the ship. Yeah, that last clip is um, you get uh, to hear Picard talking about what he's experiencing through this uh, personal log of his and, and everything that's going on. He's trying to, he, you know, he's a little afraid in, in, in all the time frames, really, but he's a little uh, afraid probably even more in the one he's in when he was recording that, that uh, he doesn't want to let on maybe everything that he knows. He's He's concerned about, I think, adjusting or changing what's happened you know in the past and time frames and 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 altering perhaps his future his own future but he's also i think a little concerned that everyone's going to think he's just kind of loony and he's lost his mind and and that's uh you know he's got to be a little careful about that and the fact that he is captain of the ship he can you know he gives a lot of orders in this in this episode in different in the different time frames which you know the crew's kind of looking at him like how do you know that and uh you know what the heck are you doing and you know you're entering the neutral zone you can't do that and and, and all this kind of stuff so it, it's uh it's a little tricky for him to to do uh, what he needs to do but also to uh to not let the crew sort of suspect too much or or think he's uh completely gone off the deep end and and maybe relieve him of command which they don't really ever do in this in any of the time frames that i can you know there you know i just watched the episode for the most part i skipped a couple parts a little over you know as i'm collecting the clips to kind of zoom ahead a bit but you know they don't they get close i think a little bit in the old uh the the past in the in the time frame the 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 past time frame you know, Tasha starts to suspect and, and start to question him a little bit, but he's he manages to get away with it for the most part. Well, this is a page from the past. I never thought I'd see either of you on a starship again. Hello, Doctor. Jordy. Doctor? Data. Uh. <laughs> Let's just choose one. <laughs> All right. Oh, 
So, did you get my message? Yes, John Luke. Crossing into Klingon territory, it's absurd. But then I never could say no to you. Oh, so that's why you married me. <laughs> well, now, the first order of business is to get clearance to cross the Klingon border. Agreed. What about Worf? Yes, that's it. Worf. Yes, that's the answer. Worf will help us. Data, isn't Worf still a member of the Klingon High Council? I'm not sure. Information on the Klingon political structure is hard to come by these days. However, at last report, Worf was governor of Hattoria, a small Klingon colony near the border. Captain Picard? Yes. yes. Captain, McKinley Station is signaling. They want to know when we'll be docking. Tell McKinley we've been called away on a priority mission. Aye, sir. So, you kept the name? I've prepared quarters for you on deck five. You might want to get some rest. No, I'm fine. I don't need rest. Nell, please escort the ambassador to his quarters. Yes, in that clip, we get to meet uh, the captain of the Pasteur, uh, the medical uh, Starfleet ship who is now as Beverly Picard. You learn in the future that uh, Beverly Crusher, Dr. Crusher, and Captain Picard eventually get married and that they're no longer married at this point. They're, they're divorced, I would get, I, you know, whatever. The, uh, they're not together, but she has still kept his name. There's a scene there with... Uh, when they say uh, they say Captain Picard, and both of them turn and say yes, and uh, it, it's pretty funny. And I, I love the uh, the look too of the Pasteur, the ship uh, itself. I thought that was pretty cool and pretty well done. There's there are a lot of cool uh, things in this episode overall, and I you know probably have said that a few times already, and I'll keep saying it because it's true. <laughs> It's cool. But the Pasteur itself reminds me, if you look back in, in some of the history on Star Trek, especially some of the early uh, things that were put out, like the making of Star Trek book and, and some early sketches of what the Enterprise could look like, even in the, you know, very much back, uh, back in the day, as they say. But the design of the Pasteur in this episode is a little bit like some of the drawings and some of the initial sketches for the Enterprise itself, having sort of this big round ball-like kind of front shape with a couple engines sticking off of it for the, the warp drive and another little secondary section and all that. There was there were definitely some early uh, Trek sketches uh, that uh, or early Enterprise sketches that I'm not sure if the guys when they designed the Pasteur for this episode I gotta believe it's, it's a little too similar to some of the things that I've seen to, to be a complete coincidence. I, I, I have to believe that they went back to some of that and said, hey, it would be kind of cool to uh, to put, uh, you know, a, a somewhat of that look into a, a future medical ship for Starfleet, and that's what they did here. They also do it again later in the episode as well when you see the future Enterprise that has three engines uh, on it. That uh, that look, at least for myself, uh, was, uh, was uh, the first time I ever saw that was in a Franz Joseph book put out a long time ago, in the late, I guess, 70s, I think was when it first came out, the Starfleet Technical Manual, where there were a lot of drawings uh, related to Trek and, and ships. And, and just a, it's a great book. You can still pick up a, a copy of that on Amazon, not the original print, but a, a reprint. But there was a dreadnought uh, Starfleet vessel that had three engines uh, on it that looks quite a bit, again, like the, uh, the design that they use here for the future Enterprise. So I, I like that kind of uh, way that they work that stuff in, that they don't just come up with something 
that doesn't make any sense or, you know, it's, it's a nice little touch for the fans in a way for people like geeks like us that that recognize little touches like that. And, and I think there's a, a certain continuity and, and a way that it works real well in the episode, too. So uh, and I've gotten a little bit off. But, uh, you know, anyway, the last clip there was when uh, Picard is sort of called in a favor with his ex-wife, uh, Dr. Uh, well, now still Dr. Doctor, but also Captain uh, Picard of this Pasteur ship, and they're going to go towards the neutral zone to investigate this weird anomaly in the Devron system, which is what kind of what the episode resol- re- resolves, <laughs> revolves around. Yes, I can speak, really. The last time that I stood here was seven years ago. Seven years ago, how little do you mortals understand time? Must you be so linear, Jean-Luc? You accuse me of being the representative of a... a barbarous species. I believe my exact words were a dangerous, savage, child race. We demonstrated to you that mankind had become peaceful and benevolent. You agreed and you let us go on our way. Now, why am I standing here again? Oh, you'd like me to connect the dots for you, lead you from A to B to C so that your puny mind could comprehend? How boring. (laughs) They'd be so much more entertained if you just tried to figure it out. I'll answer any ten questions that call for a yes or a no. Well... Are you putting mankind on trial again? No. Is there any connection between the trial seven years ago and what's happening now? I'd have to say yes. A special anomaly in the neutral zone. Is it related to what's going on? Most definitely, yes. Is it part of a Romulan plot, a ploy to start a war? No and no. Yeah, so we get to hear from Q again, John DeLancey. Like I said earlier, he was going to be a big part and figure prominently in this episode. And in that clip, you get to hear him. And they recreate sort of that uh, trial and, the, and the, the look and everything, his costume and his little chair and the, the audience of spectators there very much again. Like we saw in the uh, first episode of TNG Encounter at Farpoint, they they recreate all that very well, and and, and it's very uh, it's just cool to see and and the way this this whole thing comes full circle. You know that's the way the show started out. TNG started that way, and it kind of is fitting that it ends sort of with Q again. Uh, interesting little tidbit is I guess John Delancey heard, you know that the seventh season was going to be the last for TNG. He heard they were going to do a long finale, like a two-hour finale. And he went in to speak to, um, you know, Rick Berman and and the other, you know, execs at, at uh, Star Trek, you know, at The Next Generation at the time. And and basically he, he said he doesn't, he never usually did this. Even the other times he appeared as Q in TNG, he never really beat the drum trying to get on the show or do anything like that. But, when he heard that they were going to have their last episode, he kind of went in and said, hey, you know, guys, I, I, I heard you're doing the last, the finale episode for TNG. You know, I'd really love to be part of it somehow. 
And the, the funny thing about it is this is before he realized and uh, it, it worked out pretty well because they told him, well, you know what, John, you're, you're in it anyway and you're going to be you're going to have a pretty big part. We've already we're already working on it and writing it. And, and you are you are definitely in it and we need you. <laughs> so here he went in trying to basically say, uh, I, I'd, I'd love to have a have a, a part in this last episode. And they had already. Uh, figured and put him in the episode anyway. So I thought that was kind of neat. And, uh, you know, it, again, I think it shows how much that these actors really love worked, uh, loved working on Trek. You know, the main cast, especially most of the guest stars that you ever hear talk about the shows, you know, at conventions and all of that, you know, they, they just always say it's just such a great production, top-notch people, and, and they give it their all. And it, it's, it's good to hear that. I, I like to hear that kind of stuff. And, and I don't think it's all just, you know, people talking. I, I think they truly loved what they're doing. And, and it shows. I think it shows in the, in the show, and it shows, the, uh, you know, in the camaraderie between the characters or between the actors that, that sort of bleeds over into the characters themselves, too. But um, <laughs> let's get back to the clip. So you learn, uh, you know, that Q is sort of behind a little bit about what's going on. He is behind at least Picard jumping between different time frames. And he is trying to basically uh, teach Picard, or not really teach him, but clue Picard into what's going on. What's, what is this problem and what's happening here? Causing a rupture in space. I believe this is what happened in the Devon system. The rupture may be sending out waves of temporal energy which are disrupting the normal flow of time. Data, what could have caused this collision of time and anti-time? Anti-time, sir? I believe that if you modify the deflectors to send out an inverse tachyon pulse, then you'll find that the anomaly is a rupture between time and anti-time. That is a fascinating hypothesis. How did you find I don't have time to discuss it now, Mr. Data. Do the modifications and send out the pulse. Then try working on a theory as to what caused this rupture. Mr. O'Brien, how large is this anomaly? Approximately 400 million kilometers in diameter, sir. I don't understand why it's bigger in the past. Lieutenant, you have the bridge. I'll be in my ready room. Aye, sir. In that clip, you learn a little bit more about, you know, what's going on here. There's this anomaly, you know, the, the, the classic Trek situation of there's this weird spatial anomaly problem thing. And it's creating this area they're calling anti-time. And it's getting bigger. This anomaly is, is getting bigger in the past. So in the future, they see it a little bit. And then in the present of 4TNG, with the Enterprise and Picard and the crew there, they see it a little bigger. And in the past, in the early days aboard the Enterprise, it's the biggest that they see. Well, except the very distant past, which is coming up in a clip here or two uh, away right now. And this this anomaly is, is really what's, what's causing all these issues, and it's what they have to fix and stop. And there is there's one little thing about this that that I don't quite get and, and and even watching the episode and maybe those listening will will help me out on this but it almost it's like it's it's a little self-fulfilling I almost think because Q's putting Picard in these different time frames and and getting maybe just a little bit ahead of myself and they they they, they send this little beam out this this temporal beam that's that's shooting into the Devron area system and it's like they create the anomaly themselves. It's the chicken and the egg situation. 
but it, it seems like if if Q hadn't done what he did for Picard and all of that, that maybe they would have just left this alone and it would have never happened to begin with. So I'll, I'll talk more about that as, as the podcast goes on. But here's uh, our next clip. Our shields have collapsed. We are defenseless. Captain, another ship is decloaking, bearing 215 Mark 310. It's the Enterprise. They're hailing us. On screen. I had a feeling you weren't going to listen to me. Stand by. I'll see if I can get the Klingons' attention. The Enterprise is drawing their fire. Damage report. The warp core has been badly damaged. There's a breach in progress. We have to stop it. The Klingon ship is disengaging. Admiral Riker is hailing us. Our sensors indicate your ship has a warp core breach in progress. Prepare for emergency beam out. All the pastor's crew is safely on board, Admiral. Raise the shields. Where are the Klingons? They're still moving off, sir. Half a light year away. They'll be back. As I said, I figured you wouldn't take no for an answer. But I thought you had more sense than to send a defenseless ship across the border into hostile territory with no escort. If you had not turned down the captain when he came to you for help, none of this would have happened. But unlike you, I still have a sense of honor and loyalty. We don't have time for this. The pastor's core is going to breach. Take us out of here, full impulse. All right, let's get out of here. No, Will, we can't. We have to save humanity. Engage cloak. Admiral, we took a direct hit to the starboard plasma coil. Our cloak isn't functioning. Engineering reports it'll be seven hours before we can cloak again. All right, we'll do it the old-fashioned way. Set a course for Federation space, warp 13. Will, don't leave. We have to stay here and find out what is causing the temporal anomaly. We can't stay, Captain. We have to. Everything depends on it. We can't leave now. Please listen to me. So that clip is, yeah, that's in the in the future. We, we Really cool uh, space battle scenes there with uh, the Riker helping them out aboard the, the this dreadnought super enterprise, uh, the next enterprise with three uh, nacelles and comes in and destroys the Klingons. I love the shot where the they're shooting the phasers and the enterprise comes up from below and just sort of, you know, flies right through the debris of the Klingon ship, you know, up from the bottom of the screen to the top rather than, you know, they, they never bring out in a lot of the space battles and things in Trek especially in the series you know they they treat space as being almost on a plane not being in three dimensions where the ships could fly you know over under around and all kinds of crazy stuff of course this keep in mind a lot you know these effects back in these days were done not computer generated they're not cgi these things were done with models and 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 real stuff you know (laughs) explosions and you know effects and that uh with um you know 
concrete things not just done in a computer which to me even makes it more impressive and pretty pretty dramatic but uh yeah it's a lot of fun to see and uh, Riker's kind of old grumpy Riker in this episode too well there's that problem with between him and Worf where we learn in the future that Deanna uh Troy has has died in some way and that they're both kind of angry at each other because of it and it, it, it it's caused this sort of rift between them and and they uh and, and Riker certainly is 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 definitely old grumpy Riker he won't help Picard out at first but he realizes that Picard wouldn't really when Picard had this idea that he needed to get to the neutral zone here uh, Riker rightly believes that Picard wouldn't take no from him for an answer and he goes off anyway and so Riker kind of comes to the rescue there where that when the medical ship when the Pasteur is being uh, attacked by a couple of Klingon ships and the Klingons in the future what's happened is the Klingons have taken over basically and dominated and now control the Romulan uh, area of space the, they are into the neutral zone and all that so the Klingons are basically the the big baddies and the big enemies of the federation in the future they don't go into a whole lot of detail on on what happened to the romulans did they just wipe them out have are they mostly gone have they joined the federation you don't hear a lot about that i I guess that it's it's assumed since the klingons took them took over the the romulan area of space the romulan empire that they pretty much wiped them out for the most part but it's not a big deal just something i was wondering about a little bit there's something I want to show you. You see this? This is you. I'm serious. Right here. Life is about to form on this planet for the very first time. A group of amino acids are about to combine to form the first protein. The building blocks. <laughs> of what you call life. Strange, isn't it? everything you know your entire civilization it all begins right here in this little pond of goo appropriate somehow isn't it too bad you didn't bring your microscope it's really quite fascinating oh look there they go the amino acids are moving closer and closer and closer oh nothing happened See what you've done? You saying that I caused the anomaly and that the anomaly somehow disrupted the beginnings of life on Earth. Congratulations. Yeah, that's uh that last clip in that last scene is is uh, a part of the episode that I find pretty interesting, pretty fascinating. It's it's supposed to be in the in the very very distant past on earth uh, the anomaly is huge it's it's fills up the sky it, it's taken over so much of the of the galaxy and and whatever the quadrant i guess they say uh not really the galaxy that's that's a little too big but you know there's this goo uh that q shows picard and he says basically that Oh, this is where life would start for humans. And he, and he kind of puts his hand in there and he says, there's these little amino acids that are going to come together. And he's like, nope, whoops, it's not going to happen. And it's basically because the anomaly has changed the universe enough, altered, you know, the sun coming from from the sun in the in the solar system, whatever the reasons are, things have changed, things have been altered enough that life cannot start on Earth. So 
something basically in the, in the really in the distant future has messed up time and has changed things so much that the course of events won't naturally, you know, won't occur the way they were supposed to. Mankind will never evolve and never, you know, come to be. And, and you know, it's all because of something Picard did. And that's a little hard to, uh, you know, a little, uh, Picard's not too happy about that. And he's like, okay, what's going on? You know, how do I fix this? And, uh, and then that leads to, of course, uh, him t- discussing the problem and the situation a little bit more in the future. And this, uh, I think the next clip talks uh, more about that and another good scene about the, the chicken and the egg. It's like the chicken and the egg. Will, the chicken and the egg. We, we think it started in the past, but it didn't. It started right here in the future. That's why it's getting larger in the past. I think I know what the captain is talking about. If I'm not mistaken, he's describing a paradox. Yes, right, that's it. Intriguing. It is possible. We could have caused the very anomaly we've been looking for. Let us assume for a moment that the captain has been traveling through time. Let us also assume he has initiated a tachyon pulse at the same coordinates in all three time periods. In that case, it is possible that the convergence of three tachyon pulses could have ruptured the subspace barrier and created an anti-time reaction. I see where you're going, Data. And because anti-time operates opposite the way normal time does, the effects would travel backwards through the space-time continuum. Yes, that's why it gets larger in the past. It grows as it travels backwards in time. All right. Just for the moment, let's say that you're right. What do we do? Back, well, we go back to the Devron system. He may be right. If we go back to the Devron system now, we might be able to see the initial formation of the anomaly. Riker to bridge, set a course for the Devron system maximum warp. Aye, sir. Yeah, that's a good clip. That's in the future. And, you know, it's data, you know, mentions the word paradox, that there is this paradox formed that it's actually something in the in the distant in the future that is messing up with things in the past, that time is being sort of rewritten or altered by this anomaly and everything. And then, uh, you know, they, they decide that this this I think it's some kind of a tachyon beam, isn't it, or whatever? That this this beam that they're beaming into this uh, Devron area where this anomaly is at, the system there that they they see this problem at, and they're they're actually using it to sort of scan the area and and see what they can uh, learn. But the the sort of paradox of the whole situation is that through their what they're doing with this beam and their investigation, they're actually creating and causing the event itself. And it's uh, Picard eventually uh, goes to stop that, to, to shut that down and try to prevent this whole thing from happening. Captain, it appears to be working. The anomaly is beginning to collapse. I think Temporal that... energy is rupturing our warp containment system. We must eject the core. No, we have to maintain the static warp shell as long as possible. We're losing containment, Captain. I, I can't stop it. It's going to... Transfer emergency power to the antimatter containment system. I'm trying, but there's a lot of interference. The warp shell is definitely having an effect, sir. The anomaly is collapsing. I can't hold it. The containment system is going. Maintain your position. 
of the other ships have been destroyed. Two down, one to go. Take the report. The anomaly has nearly collapsed. We're losing containment. Goodbye, Jean-Luc. I'm gonna miss you. You had such potential. But then again, all good things must come to an end. Containment field is critical. I'm losing it. Continuum didn't think you had it in you, Jean-Luc. But I knew you did. You're saying that it worked? We collapsed the anomaly. Is that all this meant to you? Just another spatial anomaly, just another day at the office? Did it work? Well, you're here, aren't you? You're talking to me, aren't you? What about my crew? The anomaly, my ship, my crew. I suppose you're worried about your fish, too. If it puts your mind at ease, you've saved humanity once again. Thank you. For what? You had a hand in helping me get out of this. I was the one that got you into it. A directive from the Continuum. The thought about the helping hand, though, was my idea. I sincerely hope that this is the last time that I find myself here. You just don't get it, do you, Jean-Luc? The trial never ends. We wanted to see if you had the ability to expand your mind and your horizons. And for one brief moment, you did. When I realized the paradox. Exactly. For that one fraction of a second, you were open to options you had never considered. That is the exploration that awaits you. Not mapping stars and studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. Yeah, that was a uh, longer clip there, which leads into them using the the ships from all the different eras, the past, the Enterprise, the present, and the future, all converging there, turning off their, their beams, but then eventually having to go into the anomaly and try to stop it with this warp field. And it's the, what you see is the ships start to slowly, you know, they get destroyed, and then eventually this, this brings us back to Picard and Q together and... and in in essence, Q says because what you know Picard realized that he was sort of responsible behind this of, of sending these beams in there and creating this whole problem to begin with. Picard actually wises up in time, so Q says that he basically saves everything and stops the problem and the paradox from happening in the first place. You know, anytime you have time and time being altered and and, and a paradox like uh, they show you in this one. It gets a little confusing. I mean, it, it pretty, you know, frankly, it's it's it doesn't completely work in a way, if I, if I can say it that way. I mean, it does and it doesn't. But again, going back to what I was talking about earlier, I just I have a hard time understanding. It seems like, I mean, was it a test? Was Q uh, and the other Q just trying to test Picard? So they set this situation up 
and they wanted to find out if he'd be able to put the pieces together in his mind, you know, discover what was wrong and, and put the pieces together and stop what he was doing. But it seems to me that they created the situation by doing what they did in the first place. You know what I mean? It's like, well, Picard would have never done what he did if you guys hadn't, you know, flung him into the future and or if Q hadn't shown him these different areas and said, hey, go over here and look at this. And, hey, shoot a tachyon beam in there. And, hey, oh, yeah, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't do that because that's going to create this anti-time that's going to ripple back to the distant past and stop humanity from ever, you know, coming into being. Uh, you know, it's okay. I'm okay. You know, it's not a big gripe or a big problem by any means, but it just there's something about it that, that – um, doesn't quite completely add up for me maybe i'm missing something i'm not sure i mean i i look at it the way i i guess i took away from the episode i think when i even when i first saw it was it was just another little big game and a little game that q and and everything was trying to um play on them and he says you know it's more you know going out in space and investigating things is more than just mapping out nebulas and, and charting star systems there's you have to think beyond that and, and use your mind and, and i guess maybe that was their point uh to you know to do in this episode but a lot of that doesn't really matter that much when it comes down to it because the the thing about this episode that makes it so uh, great and fun to watch is being being able to see the past the present and the future of uh, of these characters you know the crew of the enterprise uh, in the tng era that we've all grown to care about so much at the you know over seven seasons of the show and you get to see them you know how they might turn out in the future pro- pro- you know possibly picard's there you know just tying grapevines up and and Jordy's off and, you know, got a family and kids and Data's a professor and Beverly's off commanding a, a medical ship. And, and, and you know, Worf is, is now a, a, a top guy in the Klingon Empire, Klingon Chancellor or whatever he's supposed to be. Riker's this grumpy old guy. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's fun to see. And you get to see also the past. You get to see them in the early days, you get to see Tasha again. You get to see Miles O'Brien back in those days, and it's just—it's just a fun episode for all of that. The way they kind of put it all together, you know, the, the techno babble and stuff behind it. I'm pretty okay with that. I—I I, I can live with that with Q because Q can basically do anything. So that's one of the easiest explanations for it. So um, one last clip, of course, we've got to play the the very end scene of this episode with Picard joining them for their, uh, I guess, weekly or so poker game. So listen to this. You know, I was thinking about what the captain told us all about the future, about how we all changed and drifted apart. Why would he want to tell us what's to come? Sure goes against everything we've always heard about not polluting the timeline, doesn't it? I believe, however, this situation is unique. Since the anomaly did not occur, there have already been changes in the way this timeline is unfolding. The future we experience will undoubtedly be different from the one the captain encountered. Maybe that's why he told us. Knowing what happens in that future allows us to change things now. So that some things never happen. Agreed. Come in. Am I too late? Of course not. Pull up a chair. What's the game? Five card draw, deuces wild. Come in. Is there a problem, sir? No. 
I, uh, I just thought that I might, um, I might join you this evening, uh, if there's room. Of course. Have a seat. Would you care to deal, sir? Oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Data. Actually, I, uh, I used to be quite a car player in my youth, you know. I should have done this a long time ago. You are always welcome. So, five-card stud, nothing wild, and the sky's the limit. Yeah, the very uh, heart-wrenching, well, not heart-wrenching, but heart-tugging moment there when Picard uh, sits down, looks at all the his friends, and uh, joins them. You know, it, it kind of shows that he's learned a little bit from from his experiences that, you know, you don't always have all the time in the world, and sometimes before you know it, things have changed and people have drifted away. So, you know, make those moments count. And, you know, it's a great way to end the uh, the episode and the series. And then the Enterprise goes flying off into the sunset. So, uh, you know, all good things. Great episode. Uh, the interesting one other, you know, another little interesting aspect is they only had about a two-week break, the actors, before they started right back filming Star Trek Generation. So, it's not like uh, they didn't get to see each other for a long time afterwards. You know, er, you know, most people know that the movie, you know, the series ended in May of 94 and the movie Generations came out later that year. And uh, I guess it was November, right? So it was, uh, you know, both, I'm sure, a little bit of uh, sadness when the series ended, even though they were going to go and work on They knew they were going to go work on a movie with, you know, just a couple of weeks away. But even then, once the movie was over, they knew there was going to probably be a, a a pretty good break between the the time they would see each other again. So it's just a great episode. Lo- lots of fun things in it. Lots of uh, very uh, emotional moments too. And uh, it just, you know, probably one of the best finales I think for Trek. Well, certainly for Trek, and maybe for just about any series that I've ever seen. Uh, uh, sure, a lot better than the Lost finale. I just had to get that in there. Oh. <laughs> One related thing to Lost about this, Damon Lindelof, uh, who worked on, you know, one of the writers for Lost, uh, you know, remember Desmond, there were some episodes, uh, there was one in particular where Desmond on Lost was moving through different points in time, and uh, Damon Lindelof took uh, uh, took this episode of TNG as, as sort of an idea point for creating that episode when Desmond is jumping through his life and at different points in time, so it's it's a it's a great idea and a, and a great way to to end the series and a great uh you know way to show the characters and how they've changed and in in some ways and stayed the same in others um that's about mostly what, what i had to say let's uh listen to uh some comments from you guys uh, i've got several of them uh and uh well let's just play the first one here we go 
Hi Rico, this is Sue or Speltor on the forums. Um, I'm really excited that you're covering all good things this week. It's uh, my favorite series finale of Star Trek for sure. And beyond that, it's one of my favorite episodes of TNG. I mean, whenever John Delancey was on this queue, you knew that it was going to be a fun episode. But it's more than fun. It's a really great episode. You know, the writers were able to really bring the series full circle. Uh, I think it's Encounter at Far Point where Q says that nothing's been decided, that the jury's still out on the fate of humanity in this trial. And that's not forgotten. That's not a thread that's just cast to the side in this series. We actually get to see how that all pans out and, you know, how humanity ends up saving the universe or the multiverse or whatever it is in in this final episode. Uh, most important to me personally, though, was that this crew stayed together. I mean, I'm pretty sure that we all knew that they were signed for Next Generation movies, but even if they hadn't been, I, I like the kind of ending to a show where the cast stays together. I don't really like it. Kind of like, you know, how DS9 did it, where the cast or the characters just all go their own separate ways because the story of the station is over. It, it sounds silly, but the main cast of The Next Generation felt very familial by the seventh season, and it just seemed right in a way that, that they were staying together because the story was much more about what was happening with these people than what was happening on this ship. At least that's the way it seemed to me. And these characters were so much a part of my life. I was four years old when this series first premiered, and my whole family would watch TNG together. The, the show and the characters were so much a part of my childhood that I'm sure it's had a huge impact on me as a person, on who I am today. And I, I will be honest, I remember crying when All Good Things aired for the first time, which sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Uh, the way TNG ended, you just knew that the mission and the story of these characters, of this family, was going to continue. It wasn't really ending. But somehow in my 12-year-old brain, the fact that the mission was continuing made it okay that the series was ending. And uh, now that I've thoroughly embarrassed myself, I will sign off. Thank you for covering this episode, Rico. And thanks for all the work that you do on the podcast and the website and the forums. Uh, it's just an amazing community. And uh, by the way, welcome home to Michigan. Bye. Well, thanks very much, Sue, for your comments. Uh, always great to hear a new voice uh, sending in some comments. And uh, I'm hoping for a lot more from you, Sue. So uh, now that you've... Uh, You've bitten the bug or gotten the bitten by the uh, comment audio comment book. Well, I hope so at least. Anyway, so yeah, you were pretty young uh, when TNG uh, was airing, and it's interesting to hear that kind of perspective. You know, I, I'm of course a little bit, just a little bit older than that, but anyway, and uh, you know, I was I felt pretty emotional by the end of the uh, the series too, and especially that last scene, like I was talking about when after I played the clip. But it is, uh, you know, it's a great episode. And I, and I kind of agree with you about the whole, the idea that they are still together, that when they showed that to last scene there, instead of like on Deep Space Nine, where they're all walking off to do their different little aspects and a couple of people stayed on the station, but mostly they're all, you know, one's going here, one's going there, one's going to do this, one's that. Here, the, the Enterprise just flies off. They're playing a little poker. They're going to have another mission and, and that. And, you know, I think when the movies came around for the TNG movies that you started to get more of a sense that they were each sort of, they're all sort of moving off into slightly different directions and they sort of uh, put that into the movies. 
rather than this idea that they're still out there, you know, fighting the good fight and, and exploring strange new worlds and seeking out new civilizations and all that. It's it is kind of nicer in a way, and I, I kind of prefer it that way too. But again, thank you for your comments. I, I really appreciate it, and hope to hear more in the future from you. Hey, Rico, this is Eric a.k.a. Wraith1701 from the forum, saying thank you for covering one of my all-time favorite TNG episodes. All good things had it all. Time travel, lots of warf action, cooled battles, and a special bonus, the return of one of my favorite characters, Tasha Yar. Now, I remember counting down to this episode back in the day when it first aired with a combination of anticipation and dread. Anticipation because it promised to be a big, badass, knock-your-socks-off kind of episode, and dread because it would be the last one. Over the years, the series had grown from a minor source of entertainment to one of the highlights of my week. And here it was, a final goodbye to characters I'd grown to love. From Picard's troubled and confused state at the beginning of the episode, to the final, bittersweet card game at the end, this episode had me hooked. I actually recorded it on my VCRs I watched, and then immediately rewound and watched the show again. And both times, I actually got a little tear in my eye at the ending. Some favorite moments? Well, I really dug the flashback to Picard's assuming command of the Enterprise-D for the first time. The return of Tasha Yar and the look at the old-school-style uniforms reminded me of flipping through an old yearbook or photo album and reminiscing about old friends and days gone by. Another cool moment was the reveal of Captain Beverly Picard, and the revelation that the romantic tension between her and Jean-Luc finally had a payoff. And then there was the cool moment of truth, when the Enterprises from each time period sacrificed themselves, one by one, in a valiant effort to set things right. Courage, dedication, perseverance, it all exemplified what to me is Trek at its best. Last but not least, the final card game is a moment I'll never forget. Picard finally letting his guard down and acknowledging that these people that he's served with all these years aren't just his crew, they're his family. Come in. Is there a problem, sir? No. I, uh, I just thought that I might, um, I might join you this evening. Uh, if there's room. Of course. Have a seat. Would you care to deal, sir? Oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Data. Actually, I, uh, I used to be quite a card player in my youth, you know. I should have done this a long time ago. You were always welcome. So, five-card stud, nothing wild, and the sky's the limit. As the camera pulls away from the scene, out the viewport, and away from the Enterprise, we're left with the promise that although we may not see it, grand magical moments lie in the future of our crew. TNG isn't my favorite of the Trek series, but All Good Things is definitely my favorite finale. Hell, in many ways, it topped each of the TNG films that came afterwards. Anyway, that's uh, all I got. Thanks again, Rico, for all you do, and live long and prosper, man. Later. 
Well, thanks very much, uh, Eric. It's great to hear from you and uh, your comments. And, and that, you know, hearing that last scene again uh, from the episode was great, too. It's, it is a classic. And, yeah, it's just a good episode overall. I was, while you were, uh, your comments were playing, I flipped a little bit and pulled out the, the companion Star Trek Next Generation companion book and was flipping through some of the background on this this episode. Uh, it, it did go through lots of rewrites. There were a lot of scenes. There was a scene with Worf and Alexander. There was a scene with Luoxana Troy. Uh, lots of stuff that they changed and altered. And I guess one of the things that was going on at the two at the time when this episode was being done, and, and it just makes it even more special and I think really shine, was that the crew was, was or the crew, the <laughs> the cast was pretty worn out by, by this point in time. You know, they had just almost, you know, they've gone through another season and they were getting ready to kind of gear up and do the movie. And it was causing everyone to feel a little frazzled. But I don't think it shows at all. And, and if anything, it, I think it brought them closer together in a way that their performances, I think, had, a, you know, kind of there was a little something extra, I think, in this episode because of it. So thanks again for your comments. And uh, here's uh, someone else. I think this is Kenny's comment about all good things. Hey, Rico, it's Kenny from California. I'm also the host of Knights of the Guild podcast and MASH 4077 podcast. I just want to send in some quick comments for your review of All Good Things. TNG is my favorite of all of the Star Trek series. Voyager comes really close second along with DS9, but TNG is, I think that's what really got me into Star Trek was The Next Generation. Uh, I had seen the original series here and there, but I wasn't a huge, huge fan of it. I was more of a Star Wars fan at the time. And then when TNG came on, I actually didn't even watch TNG probably until like episode four or five. I missed the first few before I realized it was on and I saw an episode, instantly fell in love with it and uh, was a huge, huge fan ever since. But for all good things, you know, we knew the next generation was going to end and they wanted to do this really big, grand final episode. And I, I totally love it. I think it's probably one of my favorite endings to a series. I did like Voyager's ending also. And I loved, the, I loved them all. But TNG, was, it was a nice little bow. You know, I mean, we knew that the, the crew of the next generation was going to move on into movies. So I knew this wasn't the end. So it wasn't as sad as it was for like Voyager or Deep Space Nine. Because we knew that we were going to see these people again. But it was very enjoyable. I love the fact that they, it was a Q-based story. Because the very first pilot episode, uh, Encounter at Farpoint, is also a Q-based story. So it kind, of, it kind of bookended the series. You know, it started with Q and it ended with Q. Um, and the whole trial, you know, humanity on trial. And, and that it was actually continuing for those seven years, unbeknownst to Picard and his crew. Um, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I like how they kind of tied everything back in. The, you know, the... the the effects, the really cool futuristic Enterprise was awesome. Just seeing everyone older and, you know, Beverly, you know, manning her own ship. And, you know, I mean, unfortunately, Deanna was dead, but um, I just like the whole future, the future of the TNG to see where they are. And obviously that future is no longer valid since Data passed away and Data is no longer would be part of the future. But, you know they change things anyways just for the fact that they stopped the anomaly from ever happening i did like the fact that the anomaly went backwards through time i thought that was really cool i love seeing the, the three different time periods that picard was bouncing around to that was really really cool and it was really cool to see o'brien back on uh, enterprise 
that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it was just a, it was it was just a fun episode all around. It was a perfect ending to the series, to a wonderful series, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm just babbling now, so I'm going to end this. Thank you for doing the podcast. Treks and Sci-Fi is awesome. I'm so glad you're doing a podcast on this episode because it is one of the best TNG episodes. It's a bit, one of the best endings to a, to a series also, and I look forward to hearing it. So thanks, Rico. Talk to you later. Well, thank you, Kenny. I appreciate your comments. Uh, it, yeah, it's a great episode, great ending to the series, uh, and... Uh, like you said, it's fun to see the different time frames and everything that they did with that and the different characters. Uh, it uh, One other thing that I, I, I just noticed or when I was flipping through this book here, another uh, another possible time frame they were going to have Picard be visiting uh, in the, you know, jumping around was during uh, Wolf 359, during when he was Lucutius uh, of Borg, you know, when he when back back in that time frame around, you know, I guess, you know, the fourth, middle of, you know, end of third of season, end of uh, season three and beginning of four. So that was another possible uh, idea that they tossed around of having uh, that Borg battle and that time frame be another place to visit. But I'm kind of glad that they didn't. It really wouldn't have worked, I don't think, quite as well. And I, I think keeping the, you know, doing the beginning of the series sort of as one time, the current and then the, the far future, well, like, 25 years in the future not far future but i think those were the good uh choices to use for that so uh, next uh i think we've got a meds comment somewhere here hi rico this is meds from uh checks in Sci- uh, sci-fi forum and it's what uh hopefully you can hear this i'm uh, surrounded by uh little people on holiday at the moment uh so and it's a bit late Sunday morning I'm sending this, so I hope you get it. Uh, all good things. Fantastic finale to a brilliant series. Um, the only thing I didn't like, I wasn't too keen on, was the fact that Picard and Crusher was married. But, of course, those future events uh, are not mapped out in reality because we know, of course, that Worf uh, gets married to uh, Jadzia in DS9 and uh, not Counselor Troy, uh, although we don't have to see those things. But, uh, you know, future does change. Uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant episode. Uh, Patrick Stewart is phenomenal. Uh, the weird thing is, of course, when it goes back and you see them encounter at Farpoint, how ridiculously early uniforms look, and uh, the fact they had to use... Uh, Hello, beautiful, sorry. Um, and the fact that you had to use uh, footage from a young William Riker uh, with, uh, with his beard, which doesn't look right. We all like Riker with a beard. Um, great feud between Worf and uh, Riker in the future. And just, just great flicking between past and future with Picard. Always good to see Q back, uh, John Delancey. Um, I just love this episode. Um, thanks for covering it. I can't wait to hear it. I apologise for the uh, the noise in the background and uh, and and all that, but uh, that's life, isn't it? Um, cheers, mate, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye bye. Well, thank you, Meds. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your holiday and and sending in a, a, a comment about this episode. Yeah, it is brilliant and. Ah, uh, you guys in the UK and, you know, with the British accents, you always make something, uh, everything sounds so much more classy when you say, oh, it's a brilliant, brilliant, you know, Patrick Stewart, just brilliant. It just always sounds better when you guys say it. I don't know what it is. But anyway, yeah, it, it is great. And Patrick Stewart is is just phenomenal. He he, he really, uh, you know, everyone, there, there's always this sort of ongoing Kirk versus Picard thing. But, you know, there's no denying that Patrick Stewart is just just a bloody fantastic actor. I mean, he's just great. And it was really great in this episode, especially. So thanks for your comments, Meds. I think I've got a couple more still. You guys did good this week. I got a lot of comments here at the last minute. Here's, I think this one's from Will and uh, his comments on all good things. Hello, everybody. This is Will. 
will we go on the forums. And I just wanted to make a quick comment on all good things. I do believe it was the best of the finales of any of the series. Even though I am a bigger D Space Nine fan, I still believe all good things was the best of the finales by far. I also like the idea that they brought Q back. I thought, you know, start they started the series with Q and they end the series with Q, so I thought that was a very neat idea on their part. Also, as far as the past, present, and future, I like the future parts probably the best. I like the idea of Riker being an admiral, being on the Enterprise with three nacelles. I like the idea of, you know, Beverly Crusher having her own ship. And with Data being the uh, professor at the university, I just like the ideas that they came up with for the future time. Um, of course, with... Uh, Beverly being Picard's ex-wife, that was kind of a surprise, but maybe to us Star Trek fans, maybe it wasn't such a big surprise. But again, I thought the episode was well done. I liked how they, when they finally got to the, the anomaly in each of the times, how different it was. I just thought it was really, really uh, neat how they uh, did that episode. And of course, at the end, when he ended up joining the poker game, I think that just really set off the series and set off that episode. So, also it's wanted to mention that I was lucky enough not long ago to get the All Good Things comic adaption. You guys have probably seen me write about the uh, new shop we got around here that sells 50 cent comics. So I was lucky enough to only get it for 50 cents. So it's kind of cool that recently having got that and then finding out that Rico was going to do the All Good Things podcast. So, thanks a lot, Rico, for what you do on the podcast. Keep up the good work, and look forward to hearing all good things. Thanks, everybody. Well, thanks, Will. Thanks for your comments. Uh, you know, it's it's great to hear from all you different uh, people that have sent in uh, comments about this episode. You know, everyone has sort of different perspectives, but you all say uh, some similar things, too. You know, the, the ending scene being so great and the different time frames and Q being back just all great stuff, uh, and, and it really came together real well. I mean, I enjoy this finale a lot. I enjoy the finales for the other episodes of, or the other series of Trek uh, in Deep Space. And I, I think in a way, you know, I was sitting here as I've been listening to you guys comment, and what I was thinking when I was recording some of my thoughts as I was playing the clips and everything there, one thing that is strikes me, you know, is kind of interesting, is I think the finales, though, still fit the series. You know, I always think that there was a, a stronger, maybe in a way, a stronger bond between and a, and a family kind of element on TNG that maybe wasn't quite the same on, on Deep Space Nine and Voyager or, or Enterprise. You know, there, there's something about these characters that just this, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think the finales kind of fit the series, if that makes sense. If you guys know what I, I think you probably understand what I mean, but I think that this finale was the type of finale that that fit TNG, and I think the finale for Deep Space Nine kind of fit that series. Voyager the same, and the same for Enterprise. I think that each series had a sort of a different sort of tone to it, and I, and I think that each each one kind of had the finale that would sort of suit them to a degree. I mean, you could say likes and dislikes of certain aspects of that stuff, and, and but it was just something I was I was thinking about it as I was listening to what you all had to say. And as I watched the episode this morning and, and, and grabbed clips and what I thought about it, I think it just it works so well for the, the characters. Uh, anyway, 
so there's my epiphany for this, <laughs> if, if you can call it that. Uh, we've got one more, I think. I, I think I've gotten through everyone else's, and I always try to save this one for last because we have a song, of course. Uh, well, I shouldn't say of course. It's not like we expect it, but we do appreciate it and count on it. Well, maybe not count on it, but hope for it. Anyway, this is Rick Moyer. His comments on all good things and a new song. Here we go. Hey, Rico. This is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen. Moyer777 on the forums. And um, this episode of Star Trek The Next Generation was bittersweet for me. All good things. It was a fantastic um, ending and series finale to, well, the best one that Star Trek ever did, I think. They had a great story. It was a lot of fun. We got to see a lot of really cool things in this episode. But it was bittersweet because, quite honestly, I didn't want Next Generation to stop its run because it was so good. And it got so good. By the end, you didn't really want to let go. And I know they went on to do movies and stuff like that. But quite honestly, it was never really the same. Um, I mean, the movies were okay. Like, First Contact was really good. And, and uh, you know, it was all right. But... There's just nothing like the Next Generation TV series. It was just really, really good. And all the other Star Treks are great. I love them, but uh, TNG really had the biggest place in my heart. So I thought I would put together a song, an original song for this uh, episode. And uh, I had a hard time putting it together um, because I was sad. I I realized how much I missed the show. So I actually wrote a ballad. And, uh, and then I turned it into a dance number. So I'll sing to you the chorus of what I had for the ballad. And it's kind of sad. So I made it more happy, even though the words are really lamenting and, and, uh, and uh, wanting Next Generation back. This is what the uh, chorus came out like with. It goes up. They say that all good things must come to an end. But when it was over, I lost my best friend A comfort to watch seven years in a row And week after week, we would make it so Make it so Make it so I'll make it so That was the that was the original one, but um, of course I changed it up, and I kind of wanted to be a little more happy than that because Next Generation is just an awesome, awesome series. And so here you go. This is my dance number called "Make It So." So everybody, make it so. Thank you, Rico, for all you do. I love Treks and sci-fi. Space, the final frontier, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Officer. 
time it's just uh, <laughs> talent coming out your ears that's another it's just a fantastic song uh, really great to hear your comments on all good things i know you're a big tng fan as everyone i think just about is and i i, I just i think i have another favorite song especially doing the rico i can dance around to it's just uh it's a great episode I, i'm so glad that uh everyone uh that had it you know that had a chance and, and it was able to take some time and send in comments it's great to hear from you guys i i, I say a lot to uh, you know to maybe you know say it too much too little whatever i just say it when i feel like it but uh, it is uh, it is what makes this show uh, worthwhile knowing you guys like it and uh, also that you send in comments and i get your perspective on it too and uh, thanks everyone that did that and thanks Rick for your song and everyone else that sent in comments I, I, I love it anytime anyone wants to comment about uh, whatever the particular topic is for the week or anything else just send it into treksf at gmail.com and I don't think I mentioned either before uh, thanks so much Meds for doing that uh, Rocky Horror special uh, guest cast last week that was that was bloody fantastic 
So, <laughs> all right, I got to get out of here. This show is going to be like two hours long or something like that. Uh, it's uh, it, it's going to be long. I don't know if we'll hit two hours, but uh, probably more than an hour and a half, I think. Anyway, thanks again, everyone. Uh, upcoming on the show, like I said earlier, next week we're going to do a Skype chat. Talk about, you know, state of TV, sci-fi TV, movies a little bit. It's been a while since we've done a Skype call, and I, and I thought being back home here in Michigan, it would be a good time to, to get going on and do another one of those. So I will set the time. It is probably, unless something really drastic changes, I'm going to try to shoot for doing it next Saturday, I think. And uh, sometime probably midday is usually when I try to do it to kind of get everyone from different time zones involved. Probably early afternoon Eastern time, maybe 1, 2 p.m. or so. But I'll post the time on the uh, the website. If you ever want to know uh, how to join in on that, just email me and I'll let you know. That's next week. Two weeks, I'm going to be covering a TOS episode called All Our Yesterdays. And the last weekend of March on the 27th, I'm going to do another year uh, in review of sci-fi and fantasy movies and TV. I'm going to cover the year 1999. So that is coming up in Treks and Sci-Fi. I'm out of here. Thanks, everyone, so much. It's so nice to be back home. I, I can't uh, say it enough. I, I don't know how really that I uh, I managed to be away for so long. <laughs> I, I, I I think I basically, I told Lynn the other night when I got home, I think I, I turned off some portion of my brain, you know, and, and basically just shut certain things down and off as much as I could. Maybe maybe I have some Vulcan in me or whatever. I don't know, but uh, it's all back on now, baby. <laughs> all right, everyone, take care. Have a great week. I, I hope it's getting more like spring wherever you happen to be. We got some more snow here, which was kind of sad, but the sun is out today, so uh, and uh, I start my new job tomorrow. So I'll let you all know how that's going next week on the, the Skype call and, and everything like that. So take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, put some reviews on iTunes. Donations, great. Uh, whatever you guys feel like. Uh, join the forums. If you're sitting out there listening to this show and you're not on the forums, you should be. We've had some uh, new people join recently. It's a great place to, to check in with myself and everyone else you hear, uh, sometimes through comments and other people, too, that don't comment. Uh, uh, anyway, check it out, treksandsci-fi.com. Take care. Talk to you again soon. Bye. You've been listening to TrexInSciFi. For more information, visit TrexInSciFi.com. Write to Rico today at TrekSF at gmail.com. That's TrekSF at gmail.com. Set a course for Earth. Maximum warp. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I'm Captain Kirk. Treks in sci-fi. At ease before you sprain something. Your weekly dose of kinky goodness and entertainment news. This mission would have failed without your help. I won't dispute that. The only podcast where no one has podcasted before. Captain Adarsians yet. Not with, we're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that world. Thanks for joining us for Treks in Sci-Fi. Treks in Sci-Fi.